The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of chriscooper.co.uk and delighted to uh, welcome you to uh, another year of, um, of shows. Um, I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas if you celebrated it, um, but for everybody, a very, very happy new year to you all. And I sincerely hope that this year is a, a truly fabulous one for you. And my intention is to bring um, you shows and content and guests that really help you in 2015 and beyond to elevate your business, your people, yourself um, over the next year and, and beyond. Now, I'd also just like to thank, um, before we get on to today's show, um, I recently, uh, in, in December, um, had a show with uh, Matt Bird on Relationology, which was absolutely fascinating. So if you're interested in improving the way that you um, build relationships with potential clients and uh, customers and employees, um, do check that show out. Um, also, I replayed a couple of shows because I had a holiday uh, with Hilary Wilson on <laughs> Career Success. That's a great show. And also Nikki Owen on Charisma. So thank you to them. Now, we've always heard work hard and watch your numbers and you'll be a successful manager. But is that actually the way to get to the top? And I'm delighted today that to be talking with David Long, about uh, Build to Lead and how to become a top 10% manager. Now, David and I chatted a few months ago, and I, I really enjoyed the conversation. We really connected. And one of those reasons was, uh, was David as an individual, but also his principles that um, were just tremendous to, to hear that people are out there and applying some really great thought, um, provoking ways and approaches and caring approaches to help uh, businesses and his own business to improve. You know, he really walks the talk. I also delighted meeting with people who created abundance for more humble beginnings and through their learning and efforts have gone on to benefit others widely and will ultimately leave a tremendous legacy. David Long is founder and CEO of My Employees. It's a 25-year-old firm in the top 1% worldwide in the employee engagement and recognition industry. And his firm specializes in helping managers to build stronger, more engaging relationships with their team members while linking the rewards and recognition programs to the desired goals of the company. And David believes and lives to his very core uh, what Zig Ziglar said was required to become truly successful in life. He said, you can have anything you want in life if you will first help others get what they want. And as a result, David has touched um, untold lives throughout the years, including employees, clients, friends, families. He's going to talk with us today um, 
based around his book, Build to Lead, Seven Management Reward Principles, um, for how to become a, a top 10% manager. And there's some, I've read um, through the book, and there's some really great principles that, if applied, will change your life, uh, not only your business and your career, but potentially your personal life as well. So a big welcome to David Long. Thank you, Chris. I'm happy to be with you today. You're very welcome. And uh, David, I think you're, where, where, where are you calling us from today? Is it North Carolina? Yes, on the east coast, uh, of, actually say the, on the ocean over here, on southeastern North Carolina, and of course the United States, obviously. Wonderful, and you're saying it's nice and warm there today. Is that- <laughs> not so much, no, it's like 30, 30 degrees today, which is not what we normally have here, for sure. Uh, not 30 degrees Celsius, it's Fahrenheit. Isn't it? Oh, that's right, Fahrenheit, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was chatting with a friend of mine in Minnesota yesterday, he said it was minus 31 degrees, uh, oh, <laughs> pretty <wow>. cold. <laughs> you can that's- have it. <laughs> so, um, to, to David, tell us a bit about you know your bringing and what really you know has influenced um, David Long. Well, I guess uh, I'm the oldest of six kids, five boys and one sister. And um, anyway, we're a pretty competitive bunch as far as that goes. But my father was uh, he passed away last year, but he was a Baptist minister. So you know, I grew up as a as a, what they call PK or preacher's kid. So you kind of live in a glass house. So I always, everything I, I did pretty much was scrutinized by pretty much everybody. But my father was a, a true leader. And I learned, I would, without question, I learned most of my leadership ability, if you will, and skill set is from my father. Uh, and what, I mean, what did you, what did you learn from your father? I mean, you know, what, what are the things that really stuck with you as a consequence of that? Those character, character. I believe my father was. Uh, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Be a man of your word. Don't you know? You don't want to lie to someone and always have to, you know, try to remember what you told those people. Mm-hmm. Always tell the truth, and you never have to worry about it biting you in the backside later on. <laughs> and I get. I mean, what the one thing I, you know, I don't come from a, you know, a background like that. Mine was uh, pretty quite quite different. But uh, the one thing I've um, noticed with pe- you know people who do stand up in church and speak, they tend to be very good orators as well. Yes. Uh, I mean, has, did that inspire you with uh, with what you do, the way your father? Oh yeah, spoke? absolutely. Matter of fact, when my father would go to like a ministerial association meeting or whatever, he was the only person that they all wanted to speak every time. The other people rotated, but my dad spoke every time. Really? And you also mentioned me you speak on the radio as well, didn't he? Yes, he did for many years. Absolutely. And what, I mean, was there a, a specific moment in your you know, younger life that inspired you to really go on and make a you know, success of your life? And I know you've made a real financial success of your life too. Mm-hmm. Uh, for most of my life, actually, till I got into about three years of college, I was planning on following in my father's footsteps. But I, it really started to bother me um, in about my second, well, I should say the end of my first year, in the second year, and definitely in the third year of college, is that I had, I did not have the feeling like I was meant to do that. And, you know, I, I kind of dreaded it. In my, the Christmas of my, of my third year, I had dreaded this for about six months, but I wanted to go back and tell my dad, Dad, I don't know that I'm meant to be in the ministry. And I built this up to be this monster in my mind. And I remember I went back home. I said, I, Dad, I need to speak with you. So he and I pulled, you know, so I went in the living room and sat down. I said, Dad, I don't know that I'm meant to be in the ministry. And he said, Son, do you have 
uh, do you have a burning desire to preach? And I said, well, no, Dad, I don't. He said, well, don't be a preacher then. And I'm expecting this, this big, long dissertation, you know, how I'm ruining my life. But my dad said, son, I love you. I want you to be happy. Yes, I would have loved to have had you working with me in the ministry, but I want you to be happy. That matters to me more. Mm. There's a wonderful um, story that you told me about, I think it was a lady your father knew who was quite wealthy who came to visit you once at Christmas. Oh, yeah, Miss Barnhill. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to share that one? I think sure, sure, I'd be happy to. Thanks, Barnhill. I was, uh, once again, at the time that happened, I was one, there were only five kids. Uh, my baby brother came on later. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> what happened was is that we didn't have much money. Most preachers don't. But we lived out in the country in a concrete block house with a tin roof. And there was a cornfield behind us and a pigsty to the right of that. So it was very, very poor dirt road, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, when my dad was on the radio, this lady, Miss Barnhill, she, um, she loved hearing him on the radio, but he, she never called in or anything. So one day they said, well, we don't have enough money to continue doing the radio program. So they stopped. Anyway, this lady went on to listen to dad and, and that something else was there in the place of where he normally was on the, on the, you know, that time of day. So she called the radio station and she said, I want to know what happened to that young preacher that was on. I don't hear him anymore. And she's, and they said, well, they couldn't afford to stay on. She said, I'm going to, I want the guy's number, that pastor's number. I'm going to personally pay for his radio program because I want him to stay on the air. So she did. She paid for the radio program for a number of years later until my dad moved to, to uh, till we moved to Ohio. But what happened in the story was, is that during this time when my father, when she had met my father, took mom and dad out to eat, well, she actually drove up in her white Cadillac, I'll never forget this, and to our dirt driveway, and I'd, I'd never seen the lady, so I didn't know who it was. Well, anyway, Dad recognized her, so he went out, and then all of us followed out, too, Mom and Dad and five kids. So she goes, gets out of the car, goes around, opens up the trunk of her car, the boot, whatever you call it, and uh, in, the, in the trunk of the car, she had five presents for each of us kids, wow. five presents for each of the five kids. So, I mean, that, that Chris was going above and beyond what she had to do in life, but she really made my Christmas, my siblings. We will never forget that as long as we live. And we do that today for people that are, in, you know, that are having a tough time. Mm-hmm. We also do Thanksgiving, that kind of thing. We, we, we buy a bunch of boxes. I buy all the turkeys and hams, you know, whatever they prefer. My employees get involved. We bring in all kinds of canned goods and you know, all the, all the fixings, if you will. And then I take by two, by two by two or three by three of our employees go out and they get the experience of delivering that food to the people in need. Mm, wonderful. And that unsolicited giving, you know, that example you described there, I mean, that's something you've held with you for many years, hasn't it? Uh, oh, yes. you know, so it's a wonderful legacy she left you. It is, very much so. By, uh, by doing that for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how did how did Built to Lead come about, and uh, and, and let's you know, sort of get down to it. Why are you so equipped to talk about it? Well, I, I personally have read between three hundred and four hundred at least management or leadership books, if you will, down through the years. And I read, uh, you know, you and I talked about this before, but I read three to four hours every day. Matter of fact, it's uh, it's eleven thirteen a.m. in the United States right now, Eastern Time, Eastern Standard Time, and I, I've already read about three hours this morning. And uh, I'll read some later today, but I, that's, that's what I do. I learn and I, I saw it within most leadership or most management books, I should say, they talk about the nuts and bolts 
about being a leader or being a manager, you know, how to read a P&L and, very, you know, make sure you keep your SKUs, your stock keeping units, you know, make sure you keep your inventory rotated and fresh and, you know, how do you handle different situations within the company, within personnel. That's all well and good, but it really doesn't inspire anyone to do anything. And I, I have become, fortunately in my career, my 35-year management career, if you will, to become a top 10% manager in three separate unrelated industries. So I, I, I've, been, I've been the one top 1% of income earners in the United States. Like I said, I've been immensely blessed. I'm very happy, very thankful. And I wanted to share the things that I've learned because I talk with leaders all the time. And I speak before other leaders, and you'd be surprised how many of them don't know the basics about what it takes to really motivate their people, to how to, how to have a strong team. You know, most of the time they tolerate people in their team that are weak people that they should never have on their team at all. And they spend so much time with those people, it keeps them from really becoming as successful as they would be if they would just have a tighter, world-class team like we have. And I wanted to share that. That's why I wrote the book. Mm, but wonderful. And I, I noticed, uh, I was reading, reading uh, this week, uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg having created this book club. Uh, yes, he did. Yeah, and, uh, and just uh, how, how, you know, how engaged that has, been, has made people uh, around the world. Have been, the, the books he's recommending are becoming number one bestsellers. Right. Uh, and I started my book club 10 years ago. And, and been doing it ever since, and, and it's sort of uh, interesting, you know, being them being his background being in digital and uh, mm-hmm. and seeing the importance of uh, books and reading and Absolutely. studying, and it uh, yeah. can change the world, can't it? Yeah. And um, so, from your experience, then, I mean, what what are the uh, you know you talked there about some people not understanding the key kind of principles and uh, motivation and and what have you? But what are the key reasons for most managers? Because you say most managers fail in their roles. They do. Why is that? Well, you know, and let's, we'll talk about a second for the statistics about how many managers fail because it's mind-blowing. Is In the U.S., and I'm sure it's pretty much in any country, but they say for every 100 employees in any given company, only about six or seven people within that company will ever become a manager. And of those six or seven people that become a manager, less than one, Chris, ever gets promoted again. So, I mean, there's a massive failure rate. So that's, that's, that has to be addressed. So from that, that's where you really get into the principle. Like, and you mentioned in the introduction about Zig Ziglar's quote, to get what you want in life, you must first help others get what they want. And that is exactly what I do. I focus all of my efforts on my people. And I have roughly 50 employees now. We've added some since we talked a few months ago. Uh, but, you know, we just, I, that's all I do. I don't work in my company at all, Chris. I only work on it. And I love what Abraham Lincoln, who is one of my heroes, what he said. If I've got six, six hours to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend the first four hours sharpening my axe. And what I do, Chris, is I sharpen my people. That's my job. That's my responsibility. I tell people today, I am coach mentor and cheerleader without the skirt <laughs> and, and you know, th- this this sort of drive to kind of read and study is that about um, do, do you do that to, to identify new ways to sharpen your people yes and our processes and our performance within taking care of our clients I, I try to I focus on it all 
That's what I do. I'm, I'm like a sail catching the wind. And from that, I decipher what I need to share with my people. And uh, I take only the best and I share that with my people because that's what I want them to do is become the best. Yeah. And I do have a world-class team without question. You know, the average world-class, pardon me, they're not average. World-class companies have 10 engaged employees for every disengaged employee. The average U.S. company, once again, probably the same there, is two engaged employees for every disengaged employee. And the people, the companies that are world-class have 400 plus percent more profit than the ones that are the average U.S. company. Mm. Yeah, because while, while two of those two people who are rowing forward, there's one rowing backwards. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, slows the momentum down big time, doesn't it? And you, ma- you mentioned there about processes as well. I, I noticed in your, your book, I think you're inspired by Michael Gerber. I am, yes. I, um, another person who's been on the show a couple of times, Dr. Ivan Meisner. That was a, that book. Yeah, B&I. Big, big, yeah, big um, influence for him as well. It's a good book. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's good for, for people who are um, kind of people-orientated as well. It's a good kind of reminder, isn't it, about the importance of process. Oh, it's critical, and you got to focus on it all the time. You know, they say what you want to increase, you inspect. You know, what you expect, you inspect is the quote, actually. Yeah. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now, and after the okay. break, we'll come back and, and chat with David about his seven management reward principles for becoming a top ten manager and what they, what they stand for. And some examples as well from some of the things that David does in his organization. So we'll be back with, I promise you, some really great insights in a few minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. 
That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper. I'm with David Long. We're talking about Built to Lead and how to become a top 10% manager. And David, I wonder if you could just very top line explain what the seven management reward principles, what, uh, what they, they, they stand for, and then we'll look at uh, each of the different components in, in more detail. Absolutely. Uh, of course, the title of the book is Built to Lead, and the subtitle is Seven Management Rewards Principles for Becoming a Top 10% Manager. And that rewards is an acronym, and uh, let's, we'll go down through the, the letters within the acronym. The R, the first R, if you will, starts for, with reconnaissance, or recon as they call it in the military. And that basically is almost like Jim Collins talks about in his book, Good to Great. You need to know who's on your team or who's on your bus is the way Jim described it. But you have to analyze. Not, let's start, first of all, with your management team. Is if you have the same situation, uh, you know, we're talking about world-class and average U.S. Uh, situation is that, and, and if you go to my book's website, is top10manager.com, and go to resources page, on the right-hand side at the top, you'll see a poster that has 10 Clydesdales pulling one donkey sitting down. That's the, that's the U.S., pardon me, that's the world-class companies. And the average U.S. company is right below it. That's two Clydesdales pulling that donkey sitting down. So it's, that's how critical it is. You have to think about it. If you really want to be a world-class company, you've got to have a world-class team. And that starts with your management team first. So you need to analyze how each of the people on your management team are functioning in their area of responsibility. Then you do one of two things. You either fix them and make sure they get in line with everybody else or you replace them, plain and simple. And then once you've got a solid team in place, you sit down with the head of each department and you analyze each person in their department. And then you do the same thing again. Can we fix them? You know, Chris, if you were one of my managers, I'd say, Chris, what do you think about Bob? Is Bob going to make it? You know, he's kind of doing average performance. He's up, he's down, he's not very consistent. Can we get him where he's performing on a consistent basis or do we need to replace him? And we would do that for each employee. And that's recon. And the second one. I'll tell you what, as we've we've talked about that in quite a bit of of detail there, let's let's, let's talk about recon and then we'll move on to the second one. Um, So so what you're saying there is um, you should almost do a a map out your organization chart and go into each individual in your chart or in your current structure and decide how can you, you know, are they doing a good job? Uh, how can you make, help them perform to a higher level or you get rid of them? Yes, that's right. Uh, and what, go ahead. Yeah. And what, what fact, I mean, what, um, uh, what sort of factors would you, what would you then go, if you were to, if you were to exit someone from the business, I mean, what would you first go through to, Till you got to that point, you know, you, well, you have to just, you'd have to, I, I guess, spend some time with them and uh, see if they're motivated, inspired. Uh, you know, is there a, a, a methodology that you use? Yes, we, we sit down with the individual and I would say, Chris, your performance is not where it needs to be. You know, you're, you're like out of 10 people in your department, you are always between seven and 10. You never get even to midway. So what we need to do is we need to figure out what we can do to help you be more successful, not only in your department, but in your life. You know, we want to work with you and help you take your skill set to the next level. We want you to be able to compete for the top spot. But you know what, Chris, you have to have the buy-in 
the person, a lot of people are just happy to be at the bottom. I mean, if you really want to have a world-class company, you've got to have everybody on the team being world-class. It's almost like I use the analogy of a car is when you're driving down the road, you've got four tires. Let's say those four tires represent four people in your management team. If any one of those people is not doing their job, it's a flat tire. What happens when you have a flat tire? The car stops until you get that fixed. So that's the same way with people within your department. If you've got some duds, if you will, within your department who are, maybe they're bad-mouthing you as the leader because they don't want to do anything extra, you know, my people in my company, this is a good this is a good illustration of what we what we practice. The handbook, the handbook, the employee handbook, the very first paragraph on the opening page is if you are the type of person who does not desire to get better every day and every year, you will not fit in at this company. So we want to make sure that you have that mindset. If you do not have it, please do not accept this job with us. So, I mean, it's critical that everyone's on the same page. Otherwise, somebody's going to complain about having to read a book yeah. or having to write a chapter summary, that type of thing. So it's, it's very critical. And you work got, with the people and, and help them become all they can be. And you've always got the, you know, by having that at the outset in that handbook. So that's a good, um, yes. a, good, a good point for people to think about. Do they have that handbook in their organization? Is it issued on the first day? And do people understand what's expected of them from day one? Mm-hmm. That's right. I was chatting to someone only yesterday, and they had this conversation. I don't work with them, but I have this conversation regularly where they complain about um, a particular employee, and uh, I had the same response to them. Well, it's actually you can't blame them because you never actually told them what you wanted them to do in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> if, if you you to sit down with communication reg- is key. Yeah. So it's frustrating um, for me actually to keep hearing it. <laughs> yeah. um, so the so so that's reconnaissance. So reconnaissance is. Um, I mean, what, what is the definition of reconnaissance? Why did he, why did he used to, to go out and, and see where, where you, let's say you're a military general and you want to know where the enemy is. You send out a recon team to go out and find where the enemy is so that you can, you can find them before they find you. You find who the good people are and who the bad people are on your team and you identify them and you, you seek about to, to plan a strategy that will make everyone successful on your team. Mm. And this is uh, as important as a military exercise. It is. Yeah. Exactly. Essential. So we've, so we've, we've been, we've uh, looked into our organization. We've done some reconnaissance uh, when we're, we're working to, uh, you know, get the performance up and make sure everybody's operating to world class and knows what's expected of them. Um, what does the E stand for? It stands for education. And I'm not talking about your school education. I'm talking about having the mindset of continuously learning new things for the rest of your life. I said earlier that I read three to four hours every day. Well, I teach my people to read at least an hour a day. Turn off the idiot box, otherwise known as the TV, and read something that will help you, something that will further your success in your career, something that will make you have better relationships, not only with your clients, but with your family as well and your teammates. So, I mean, this is critical. Uh, and and edu- within education, the two things that I really talk about that are a little different than most, first of all, is mastermind, which your, your people that are going to listen to your show, Chris, are already going to know what mastermind is, right? Yeah. I would think. Okay, yeah. Yep. Right? 
Yep, we've talked about it enough. They listen to good, it. Good, good. <laughs> I won't. I won't waste any time on mastermind, but it is critical. I will say this though: I have a mastermind here in my area uh, that I have six CEOs of multi-million-dollar companies, and we meet once a month, and we we meet for about four hours, and we you're you're required to come to the meeting with either a challenge that you're facing within your business or an opportunity you're thinking of pursuing, and you have roughly thirty-five minutes. To you put out there what you want to talk about, then we brainstorm on it. Then we move to the next person. That's the mastermind. That's critical that you do that. Uh, but the next part of education that has made me millions of dollars, so please pay attention to this. I'm telling that to your listeners because it's critical, is I created what I call my book club. Years ago, I read a book called The 12 Laws, pardon me, The 12 Essential Laws for Becoming Indispensable. Indispensable. And it's by Dr. Tony Zeiss, which is a friend of mine and now and a mentor, and he's the president of Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte, North Carolina, which in the United States is the largest community college network here, period, in the country. So he's a very sharp individual. And he wrote that book, and I read it, and I said, man, i got to share this with my employees. So I bought another 11 copies, which we had 12 employees, including myself at the time. I bought them. I called a meeting in the break room, and I passed out the books. I said, guys, I'm going to bring in pizza next Wednesday. I want you to take these books. Here's a highlighter. Here's a notebook. Write a chapter summary about the first one on attitude, first chapter on attitude, and come back in here ready. And I mean to tell you, Chris, they looked at me like it was deer in the headlights. <laughs> Nobody said anything. So I said, does everybody understand what I want? And they're like, uh, yeah, I guess so. And they had visions of book, you know, uh, reading groups when they were in elementary school. So they didn't think that was a great idea. So when we came and we met for the first meeting, no one said anything except me to begin with. So I started telling them, okay, guys, here's where my attitude has caused me problems in my life. So as I went on to talk about that, then one by one over the next three or four weeks, everybody chimed in. And ever since then, we've never looked back. Now we read books like Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Why does that matter? Well, everything you do is a relationship with other people. I had three of my, at the time, 30-some employees come to me and say, David, that book saved my marriage. One of our employees was separated from her husband, and when she read that book, she came to me and she said, I'm the problem, talking about herself. She said, I'm selfish, and this book showed me that I'm being, I'm totally the problem. So they're back together and happily married now. (laughs) So that book club, if nothing else came out of it, I don't care about the money as much as I do that my people have better lives because of their relationship with me and with our company. So that's what we accomplish within the book clubs. It bonds us together. Before we started book clubs, people from different departments never went to lunch or anything with people except their own people in their own department. Now you'll see people go with three or four different departments and they go off. We have such a strong, bonded, world-class team because of the book clubs. You know, we do financial planning books like Dave Ramsey, you're familiar with him. Uh, we, do, uh, we did Think and Grow Rich. Right. We've done, oh my goodness, I can't even begin to do it. Occasionally, I give them a break where we will watch a DVD and take notes and discuss that on different things in leadership. So, you know, I constantly build my people. So that's, that's, the, that's my goal. Like I said, that's my number one responsibility. That's what education is. That's, uh, it's amazing, those things, because I've, I've done something a little similar, but with clients of five years. And, you know, we have some great conversations around these books. But what it does, it keeps people in the habit as well of reading because you know, yes. many people have not read a book since they left college or left school. That is so true. 
uh, and you know what you do, you've done there for people is your you know books and and, and discussing it as a group. It, it all sorts of ideas uh, you know come together, don't they? Yes, uh, yeah. and you gain more as well from the book because you're discussing it, and there are different perspectives. Yeah, we all have different lives, so when we read the same chapter, we think about different things. Yeah, what you're doing, what you've, what's come up for me with what you do there as well. I, there was a uh, somebody was telling me they'd um, been speaking to a, a group of young people who were, uh, you know, about to go from the world from the university to um, employees, and someone asked a really clever question, and the, and the question was this: They said, which companies out there would you recommend that I apply for um, that would help me to become a better person? And that was her criteria. She wanted to work for a company that would help her become a better person. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's I critical. Thought, I thought that was a really, you know, really wise thing. Because when I, um, years ago, joined, uh, I remember joining Mars, one of the, I, want, I knew Mars would make me a better person, but I was also interested because I got a company car and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what have you. Um, but actually, today I think there are people who are, are a bit more consciously aware of what's really important. Yeah, um, that's very true. So, so your third point um, in, in uh, rewards, and uh, W, I know it stands for Winners Emerge. So we're yeah, educating our people. Um, tell us about what Winners Emerge means. I'll give you... I'll give you the perfect example for that one. Is one of the guys in our company, he is probably, Chris, the most introverted person out of almost 50 employees at our company now. And his name is Josh, and he works in production. And he basically, he works almost by himself a lot. Like I said, he's very introverted, so he loves, he has no problems working by himself. So he's back there. And anyway, during book clubs, he, we actually ask for volunteers because we want to keep training our people and give them opportunities to shine. And, you know, this is where the winners emerge, emerges pops up, is that Josh actually told my COO, Adam Tart, that he was interested in taking over book club. Now, when, when Adam told me that Josh wanted to do it, I said, Josh Straw wants to do book club? I was like in shock. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he did it. It was so funny because he was leading it. And Chris, he was standing up in front of the room of about 25 people in the room. And he's standing there and his hand is shaking as he's holding the book. But you know what? He did a great job. And I mean to tell you, that was about a year ago. That young man has developed into something you would never, ever have seen without book club being in place. Wonderful. Well, well done, Josh. He put himself yeah, out of his comfort zone, good. didn't he? And yeah, he is, absolutely. Um, so, so things like the book club has helped you identify the winners in your organization. Is that... That's exactly right. And it also, it also does this because if people hate doing book clubs, they're not a culture fit for us. They get frustrated and they start to show, which is the next point, attitude. They start to show a bad attitude and they basically eliminate themselves. Mm. I remember when I, I mentioned Mars earlier, but when I worked for them, they, they always talked about knowledge, attitude and skills. And you can learn knowledge and over time you can pick up skills. But you know, attitude is, and I completely agree, it's hard to teach, but it's essential, isn't it? What are, what are your thoughts on it? I'll tell you what my dad, remember I talked about my dad being pastor. He, uh, he used to have an illustration where he talked about a person's attitude. And he said, he would talk to me, he'd say, son, your attitude is like if you hold up a glass or a prism in front of your face, and if you look through it and it's clear, everything you see through it will be clear. But if you drop it in the mud and you pick it back up and look through it, 
Everything you see through it, if it's dirty or cloudy or whatever, it's going to be dirty and cloudy. Everything you perceive through that prism is going to be bad or dirty. So when you have a bad attitude, I could say the same thing to two people. If one of them has a bad attitude, they will take it the wrong way. The person with the right attitude will know, hey, this guy's trying to help me be better. But the person with a bad attitude is, what are you bad-mouthing me for? What are you picking on me for? So that's how critical it is. You can never, ever accomplish anything if you do not have a great attitude. Thomas Jefferson said, you cannot help a person who has a bad attitude, period. Mm. That example there, the the glass or prism being dirty, I mean, that what, what, what also came up for me in that was the people people who have a bad, bad attitude are often carrying a lot of baggage with them aren't they and they are and, yes. and that baggage is is mud uh, and and means they're not looking through something that's clear and yeah. and really and seeing Chris, what's going on and chris that's why the book club is so important because we work on every aspect of your life so we can eliminate a lot of the problems that would cloud up your prism mm mm because it's, it's in a business, we, I think it's wonderful what you do is, is in a business we, we're often holding people accountable for um, you know, the activities to do with their job. But uh, you know, it, it identify this in, in the book that I'm having published this year about getting things done is uh, what, what often fails and people aren't being held accountable for is things like their relationships, how, um, how they handle money, um, their health and fitness. Yeah. But both through your book club, you can also help people with that, those things, can't you? Absolutely. And you mentioned, you said personal finance right then. How can a person who's working for your company, who's having financial problems, focus on doing the best possible job? Are they not going to be affected by marital and and financial problems in the back of their mind? Yes, they will. They will eventually snap at at a client or they will snap at another employee and they will become a problem. So that's why you spend time on those things that matter that affect every aspect of your life. And that's what we do in book club. And that's why it's so critical. And I guess you can change the books. I do this with my little group because you, you can change the books depending on what you think people might need and would benefit from. Exactly. You can be flexible with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, always. We get input from the employees on it as well. Yes. Yeah. That's a great idea. It's a really great concept. All right, we're going to go to commercial break again. And after the break, we're going to move into uh, looking at um, uh, the other aspects of rewards so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes from the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. 
Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, uh, Chris Cooper. I'm with David Long. Uh, before the break, we were talking about um, seven management rewards principles, and we talked about reconnaissance, um, about going into your organization and looking at uh, your people and uh, how you can improve uh, performance. We talked about education. We talked about winners emerge and also about attitude. And, and we, we were really to, talking about this great concept of David's about the book club. And, and in the break, I was asking David, you know, does the book club always happen? Because it's... Uh, it could be perceived, even though I know it's been very, um, very beneficial. The um, the ideas that have come out of it, it could be seen as something that's just really nice to do. And uh, when client demands and things like that uh, occur, um, is it something that um, you know gets moved? So, I'd just be interested for you to share that, David. Yes, actually, uh, it's it's extremely critical. You do not want to interrupt the flow of the book club and what you're learning. You know, if I were to shut it down for a month or two or longer or something, and you came back, uh, everybody's out of, the, out of the habit. You know, the book club helps people to remember to read, and then they read not only what we require them to read, and it is required, it's not an option, they also read other things that they learn about in the book. They go, oh, I'd like to learn more about this. So they go off on their own and read things that are related maybe to their specific position. But what we do in the book club is critical. Like I said, it, it is something always that you have to do and make it a priority because it pays for itself. Quit thinking short term and say, oh, great day. I'm not going to pay people to sit in a room for an hour a week with me and me tie up my time because it's a waste of time. No, it's not. You know, once again, Abraham Lincoln on the sharpening the axe. That's what you're doing is you're making your people more effective in everything they do. You know, we split the company. Half the employees are Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. The second half are at Thursday morning at 10 o'clock. And every quarter, we rotate the people within those groups so that they get to know everybody in the company. Because we want to have a solid team, and everybody needs to be helping everyone else in what they do. You know, I got a, I got a text last night from one of our salespeople. She said, I'm struggling a little bit. And I said, all right, stop what you're doing. Go sit with one of our best people and just listen to them. You know, I want you, you if you want to learn something, go to somebody who's doing it, someone who is successful at it. You know, Tony Robbins says success leaves clues. 
So when you see someone doing what you want to do, go pick their brain, go learn from them, sit at the feet of the masters. Mm. And how, how long do they last? Uh, is, is it an hour, two hours? And, and one hour. One hour, and, and, and do yes. you cover a, a chunk of the book? Or, or? Yes, one, one chapter. Unless it's a really short chapter, Chris, then we'll do two. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you can easily skim over a book, can't you, and uh, not do it. Oh, yeah, it, definitely. It deserves. Brilliant. So let's talk about the, the next point uh, in, in rewards, the uh, second R, which is uh, recognition. And uh, reading your, your book, I couldn't agree more with what you were saying. So tell us about how you do it. Yeah, recognition. That's, of course, that's, my, that's part of what we do at my employees, myemployees.com, our company. But recognition is so important. Matter of fact, let's go back to George Mason University did some research where they interviewed 1,800 roughly managers and 1,800 employees. And they gave them the exact same 10 criteria. And the managers, when they were asked to rate them, they said, all right, what, they said, what matters to employees? Rank these. So they said money, number one. And uh, employees had money at number five, by the way, Chris. Yeah. But here's, here's what employees had as number one. They said, I want to have the feeling that I'm making a contribution to the success of the company. And right behind it was, I want to be recognized for making the contribution to the, to the success of the company. Employees had it number two, recognition. Yeah. Managers had it at number eight. To say there's a disconnect is huge. I mean, it's, it's, unless you're on the same page, you're not going to get the job done. So if employees want to feel like they're making a contribution, they want to be recognized for the contribution, but the managers aren't giving them the recognition, that's a problem. In the U.S., Gallup organization found that 60, and this was last year, 65% of employees in our country said that they had received no recognition from their manager in the last year. And that is pathetic. And uh, matter of fact, Chris, you know, it hit me one day. I'm literally, I was driving down the road and I got this idea. We are creating right now, we're going to give it to all of our clients, prospects, anybody that wants it for free, uh, just send me an email at davidlong at top10manager.com and I'll get it to you. But it is a chart and it's called the Employee Recognition Reminder Chart. And down one side of the chart is going to be the employees in your department, Chris. And then you're going to have columns after that and it's going to be date, and then you put the date in there, and I recognize Chris for what? What did I recognize Chris for? And there's going to be like three or four columns for you to be able to, to keep up with what you're recognizing your people for, and it's just something that you do at the end of the day. You say, okay, I talked to Chris today, and I told him, man, you did a great job in such and such, because they're just not getting the recognition. There is one thing that every human being on the planet wants, wants more than anything else, and that's to feel that they matter, that they are significant. They want to be shown significance, that they matter to the world and to the people that they work with and to their family and their friends. That's what recognition is. And you know what? 47% of employees, pardon me, your best employees are looking to leave you as their manager or their leader now. Why? Because you're not giving them the recognition that they feel they deserve. And if it's, a, it's an innate desire, a thirst, if you will, to have it. And if you don't give it to them, doggone it, they're going to go somewhere else. So then you start over 
and retrain a new person and you lost all of that, sometimes thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in that employee. They left you because you failed to give them what they have to have to feel significant. Makes a lot of sense. Hey, we're, we're pushing on now in terms of time with the, the interview, okay. so I'm going to ha- have to um, move on to the, the, the next two points. We've got about five minutes of, uh, okay. of talk time left. So, All right. Um, a duplication, what's that about? Uh, I developed what I call my Shark's Teeth Leadership Development Program. And that basically is when you have your management team, you always have to be grooming the future leaders of the company for two reasons. First of all, you might have to replace one of those managers. But if you're growing like our company's been growing for 20% for 15 years, uh, a year, 15, pardon me, 20% for, uh, 20, for 15 years every year, uh, that is critical. You have to have new leaders to grow and to not, to not fall uh, or fail at your, at your task of growing the company. So what I ask my managers is I would say to you, if you were in my management team, Chris, I would say, Chris, if God forbid something happens to you, who in your department is someone you feel would be a great leader to take your place? Mm. And they have to tell us who that is. My next question, Chris, what are you doing to develop that person? Are you helping them become a leader? And that's your responsibility. Now, my leaders, my leadership team, do not fear being replaced. If you have an insignificant, a, 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 what would I want to say? Uh, a, a manager on your team who is uh, concerned that they are weak, uh, they have a reason to fear being replaced. But my managers are all world class. It's not a problem. And that's what you want. So that's what duplication is. Make sure you are developing your future leaders, always. And when I say shark's teeth, it's because if you've ever seen the mouth of a shark, behind each tooth is a row of other teeth. If a front tooth gets knocked out, another tooth pops up to take its place. And that's what you have to keep going all the time. Remember that car, one flat tire stops you dead on the side of the road. Make sure you develop your people. And next principle was success. And then we'll go on through that. Success means many things to most people. But if you ask them, they'll say, oh, a million dollars, I'll be successful. Sorry, but money will not make you successful. Money does nothing more than become an amplifier of the person you are. If you're a generous person, money gives you the opportunity to be more generous with other people. If you are a miser, a selfish person, money will do nothing but drive you further into being selfish. So success is not money. You know, I, I tell people, and I, in my book I show a picture, Chris, about my, what I call my treasure chest. Two Christmases ago, my employees gave me a wooden chest, real nice chest, and in the chest for, for part of my Christmas present, they each wrote out what I had meant to them in their life, and they put it in that chest. Wow. Man, I can't, I can't get through three or four of those Chris without breaking down, <laughs> without tearing up, because, man, that's what's powerful. That's success. That's touching other people's lives. It's not daggum how much you got in the bank, and I, you know, like I told you, I said earlier, I've got, I'm, I'm, a one, I'm in the top 1% of income earners in the United States, and I have been for many years. I don't have to work another day in my life if I don't want to, but I love what I do, and that is what makes me successful, and the fact that I'm grooming and developing other people is what makes me successful, not my money. Yes. Wow. That's, um, yeah, that must be a wonderful thing to, uh, a gift to have been given, that. It is, indeed. Um, so, you're absolutely right. So you're you, you know, kind of reminding us there that um, you, you, can't, you can't take um, you know you can't take your money with you, can you? And uh, no. Nope. Uh, and 
people aren't people are going to remember you one day. Yeah, for the contribution legacy. that you made to them. Legacy, my friend. Legacy. Yeah, so so important. And we just got um sort of a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm going to ask you in a moment about the messages to leave us with. But I just want you just to share because you do some really great things when it comes to recognizing your staff. Yes. Just share a couple of those examples with us. Absolutely. Of course, first of all, you got to have a criteria to pick your winners. You do not do it as a personality contest. You will breed resentment. That's not what we're after. We honor the things that make the company more money and make the people more money and more successful. But we also honor the things that make our clients more successful. It is a win, 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 win. It is not a win-lose. Everybody involved, when we do it, benefits from it. What we do every month, we bring all of our employees down into our lobby, which is pretty good size. And all 15 roughly employees are down there. And we pick out who the winners are for each of five departments. And then we tell why they won and give specific numbers as to why they won or specific things that they did. And that's why we're honoring them. Immediately after, well, by the way, while we give them the plaques, all five of the managers are, you know, beside the person. While they're holding their plaque, we take their picture. And then we give them later that day the picture of them as they win, as they won the plaque. But immediately after we, after we present all our people, their plaques, I take them all out to one of the nicest restaurants in town. And all the winners get to sit around me. And my management team is around as well. But I want to be able to see the people that won that month. And they get what they call Dave time, that being me. So they get to ask me and I get to talk with them and I challenge them and I, I brag on them. And if you will, I love on them. I let them know how much their contribution means to the success of the company. It makes me and everybody else happy within the company and how important that is. Fantastic. That's what we do. Good, fantastic. We've got about a minute left. Just like to see. Okay. It's a final message that you'd like to leave us with. Yes. Get out of yourself as a leader, as a manager, and uh, develop your people because that is the greatest amplifier on the planet. It's, you, it's leverage, if you will. It's motivational leverage. Is you can become so much more successful with the help of others than if you had to pull the load by yourself. Great advice. David, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, some great wisdom and ideas, and I certainly should be listening back to this one and, uh, and sharing it widely with people. So thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome. And to find out more about David and being a top 10 manager, go to www.top10manager.com. And you can also check out www.myemployees.com. Uh, and David also, as uh, so anybody who buys his book and uh, sends through to the, the office there, or, or uh, I guess you do it by email as well if you scan it, the uh, receipt for, uh, for Amazon or wherever you bought your, the book from, then he'll send you the free download of Kindle version of the book as well. Yeah, if they buy the hardback, I'll, if they send me an email at davidlong at top10manager.com and put in the subject line, please send Kindle version, I will send them the $10 Kindle version for free. Wonderful. Thank, thank you. And it's a great book. And if you've got any questions or feedback, please send them to me, chris at chriscooper.co.uk. On next week's show, we have Lethem Green, who's a, a really highly innovative uh, training and development leader within a, a 16,000-person public sector organization, which is a, you know, a different, um, you know, different kind of envi- environment. And what he's really done is created an awesome culture in an organization that's experiencing uh, real austerity and tighter budgets. So if you're you want to get uh, improve your culture while uh, budgets are being reduced in that sort of environment, and that's going to be a really great show to listen to. Once again, um, thank you very much, David. I hope you've enjoyed being on the show today, and I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening and being with us, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, David. 
Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your week.